0: Hey, how's everybody doing? It's great to see you. It is great to see you. I don't know about you, but I am. I I just uh, man, I I, I sit and I worship and my heart is full. I don't know if you feel that way. You just spend some time. You worship God and your heart is full. Great to see Mark again leading us. Uh, It's been great to see him. Some of you don't know that Mark was our worship leader for 10 years until uh, he became our executive pastor. And now um, he spends all his time doing really boring stuff. But, uh, but anyway, he used to lead us in, uh, in, uh, in worship every week. And uh, so it's good to see him uh, leading again. Uh, so um, probably about 10 years ago, my wife and I, we, had, we used to have this midweek Bible study years and years ago. And so it was after that midweek Bible study that we, my wife and I were driving home before we had kids. And I had, it was one of those rare moments I got to talk my wife into swinging by McDonald's uh, on the way home. So like my wife does not like McDonald's, but I like McDonald's enough for both of us. So, uh, so anyway, so I ordered, uh, like the two cheeseburger meal, which used to be number two. And then they got, they ruined the whole menu. So I used to know exactly which anyway. So uh, I ordered it. So she's kind of like getting the stuff out of the bag as we're driving home. And, uh, so she gets the thing and she says to me, she goes, how is it? And I'm like, how is it? You just handed the, burger to me one second ago. And, and she's like, well, nobody took a bite. How is it? And I'm like, I didn't, haven't tried it yet. And she's like, then open that. And I opened it up and the burger already had a bite taken out of it. And, uh, but the problem was it wasn't a cheeseburger. It was a filet of fish sandwich, but it was a filet of fish sandwich that they, someone in their mind thought this would be a good thing was if they decided if they could put bacon and then cheese on top of a filet of fish sandwich. Now, I personally am a believer that bacon makes everything better. You have a bad marriage, add bacon. That will make it better. Your kids act up, give them bacon. It will make them better. Anyway, uh, nonetheless. Uh, anyway, I, so I told Carrie, I'm like, I, ha- I turned around, I walked in, and uh, they're, they're, they had a couple of those, um, those uh, refrigerator cases that were broken, and so there was a guy in there that uh, was working. And so I talked to the manager. I'm like, listen, dude, I I ordered this cheeseburger when I opened it up. It was a filet of fish sandwich with cheese and bacon. Anyway, the guy's like, did you say cheese and bacon? And I said, yeah. And he goes, man, I've been looking for that sandwich. And uh, anyway, the guy who is the AC guy that was fixing the cabinet, apparently they made him the sandwich. He took a bite. He put it down, started doing some work. And then the other people came along, wrapped it up and gave it to me. And uh, I'm like, well, sir, I believe this belongs to you. And then the manager was, you know, like, hey, man, sorry about that. What can I get you? I'm like, listen, I just want the cheeseburger that I bought. So he gives me the cheeseburger, and I just couldn't even eat it. So, no, I'm just messing with you. I ate I the whole thing. Uh, that stuff doesn't bother me. And uh, so now I say this because, listen, just because of what something says on the wrapper doesn't make it true. And, and let me tell you how that works when it comes to people. How it comes to when it comes to us, what happens is is that just like that fillet of fish gets labeled as something else, here's what can happen to us. Somebody can say something to us. Somebody can say something about us. Somebody can they, they just something starts happening. There's an event that takes place, and then we start to believe what someone else has said about us. We start believing that that's actually true. That what that other person said becomes what we actually believe about ourselves, and maybe it 's something that um, it 's something that uh, that one of our that our parents said to us, and so they started saying something to us as a kid, and now you 've gotten to be an adult and you 're long past being a kid, but there 's still part of you that believes what they said, even if it 's not true. Maybe you had some plans that didn 't go the way you wanted them to you had A business venture that didn't work out. Uh, There was uh, some other plans that you had and things didn't go the way you hoped. Maybe there was a relationship or two and those didn't work out. And now, here's what you're thinking. You're starting to think that, well, these things failed, so that must mean now that I'm a failure. When really failure is an event, not a person, but that's another thing entirely. But we can actually start to believe that about ourselves, Maybe it wasn't like that. Maybe it was like this. Maybe you start, you were praying for someone. Maybe you were praying for something. And God, for whatever reason, didn't answer the way that you hoped. The person didn't do what you hoped they'd do. Uh, The thing that you wanted to happen in your life didn't quite happen the way that you hoped. And now, there's this thought in the back of your mind. That maybe something's wrong with me. And maybe there's something wrong with me. Or maybe there's something that that God's not pleased with me, and maybe that's why God's not answering my prayer. You see, what what we need to do, and this is what we're going to spend our whole time together talking about, what we need to do is start thinking about ourselves the way that God sees us, and not based on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Because circumstances change, circumstances differ, problems come and go, and, and all of that. But listen, one of the biggest barriers that I see with people, uh, the, one of the biggest barriers I see with people for, for, that keeps them from getting to where they want to be, that they want to be experience success and growth in their life. Listen, and here's what it comes down to. It's not skill, it's not ability, it's not resources. Here's what it is. It's how they view themselves. And because they have an inaccurate view of themselves. They don't see themselves as more than they actually are. They see themselves many times as much, much less than they are. That becomes the wall that keeps them from becoming everything that God wants them to be. I want to show you this passage. I put it in your notes. It's in Proverbs 23. And here's what it says. So simple. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Now let me tell you why this is so important. So what we have to do is really understand who we are and really have right thoughts in our hearts about who we are because it becomes like this vicious cycle uh, that, that can happen in our lives. And so rethinking ourselves really boils down to understanding your life the way God sees you. Because guess what? That's the only perspective and that's the only opinion that actually matters is the way that God sees you. A few weeks ago, we started this series that's called Becoming. Pastor John couldn't remember that know what that's all about, but John's older. So, you know, as I like to tell him, he remembers when old spice was just called spice. So, uh, anyway, that's, uh, some of you will get that at lunch. Um, but, but there's this person, there's this person that all of us want to become, right? And we've been saying this from the start of the series is a person that all of us want to become. And, uh, and so the, the subtitle is, is the road from here to there. And so what we do is we start thinking about, well, how do I get from here to there, and, and the problem is we're not really sure about the steps. How do I become everything that God wants me to be? Because we all have this vision in our minds, but how do we get there? And so we've been studying 1 Peter to show us how to do that. And now Peter starts talking to us about the person that we, that we want to become. Because the first step to getting there is identifying where there is. The first step to leave from here to there is really identifying where here actually is. And so what Peter's going to do is challenge our habits. He's going to challenge our understanding of how God is working in us. And then he's going to challenge how we value ourselves and how we see ourselves as the place to begin. So the bottom line for us today, and this is just kind of the one nail that we're going to hammer over and over. And it's going to be that, listen, if you want to become more than you are, you've got to see yourself as more than you are. If you want to become more than you are, you've got to see yourself as God sees you. So let's begin. I'm going to invite you to open your Bible to 1 Peter. Uh, it's going to be in chapter 2. That's is where we're going to begin. And we start in verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby." If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, now if you pause there and give me your attention uh, there 's three things that I want to show you about becoming more than you are here 's the first thing: the first thing is to change your natural desires, change your natural desires. Now, let me I- explain what I mean by that. Um, the other day xander uh, my son Xander is three, and uh, he is in uh, k three in school and They have this, um, and you know, the kids get report cards, you know, at every grade, but even at K3, but it's one, two, or three. And so one is like an A, and then, you know, two is, hey, he needs some work, and three is like, you know, this kid's never going to get out of preschool, even if he's 20. So anyway, that's kind of, but, but Xander got all ones. On his, on his report card. And so I was telling him, I am so proud of him. Xander, you're doing such a great job. And, and I've told you this in the past. Everything at my house is a big deal. We make a big deal about everything. But, oh, but not like how like, your parents made a big deal about everything, but in a bad way. We make a big deal about everything in a good way. And so we, um, so I told him, I said, you know what this calls for? Do you know what this calls for? And he said, what? And I said, this calls for a celebration feast. And I said, and you, Xander, have been given the opportunity to pick wherever you want to go for your celebration feast. Any restaurant that you want to go to. Now, there's only like three places that he likes. So this, I knew it wasn't going to be like, you know, he wasn't going to pick Smith and Walensky. He, you know, he wasn't going to go. He wasn't going to go hardcore on me. So he's like, okay, I know what I want to do. I, wanna, I know what I want to do. All right. Well, this was last Saturday. And he's like, so, uh, and he's like, I know what I want to do. Okay. You pick it. I want to go to... Because Xander, everything, if you don't know my son, everything is very exclamatory with him. That's the only... He only speaks pretty much at the top of his lungs all the time. Xander, can you please whisper? Okay, popping. Like, because he's just the kid. Anyway, he doesn't know how to whisper, kind <laughs> of like me. And uh, so anyway, so I'm like... So he's like, I know where I want to go for my celebration feast. I'm like, okay, where do you want to go? I want to go to Cracker Barrel. And I'm like, all right, we can all eat for 10 bucks. And... Uh, and how many of you, how, do I have any Cracker Barrel fans here? Yeah. It, Cracker Barrel is awesome for so many reasons, but it's like going to a garage sale that serves food, which is what I like, you know? And uh, so, but anyway, so we go and have breakfast and uh, and on Sat. this is not yesterday, but last Saturday, and then um, <laughs> we're leaving and so the kids are looking around at all the stuff that I tell them, no, they can't buy. And uh, so anyway... So, but then we're looking around and I see these things because, you know, I have like all these old candies and they had these candies that are called razzles. Does anybody remember razzles? Okay. Between the three of us, um, and then there was another two people in the first service. Um, it really shows I'm behind on the times. Anyway, so, but listen, razzles were huge up north. You know, I grew up in Boston, so razzles were huge in the northeast. It just never made its way south. And I know there were no razzles in Cuba, so that's why, you know, you know a lot of people are not really sure. Razzle, que eso? And so, a- anyway, um, so don't get me started. Um, so, <laughs> oh, man, that just doesn't get old. Um, <laughs> sorry, okay. All right, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Um, so, so what happens is I give them razzles, and I'm telling the kids, I, seriously, when I was a kid, like Mia's age, my daughter Mia's six, I was like a razzle nut. I mean, I was like ra- ready to get a razzle tattoo, you know? Uh, and uh, now the cool thing about razzles is that razzles were like this little candy, but you just popped them in, and then after a while, you could start chewing them, and then they turned into gum. They're like the original transformer. So it's like, they're candy, and, and that's what it said. It's a razzle, and it said, first it's candy, then it's gum. And it's like, this is like the best thing ever. So anyway, so I bought a package of Razzles and, um, you know, and it's, it was, and I'm trying to share all of this and I'm telling my wife, cause she's not really into that. And I'm like, you know, but I'm just, I want to share part of my childhood with the kids. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, you're also sharing with them red dye number 40 and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, I'll pass that along as well. And, um, so anyway, so we, I rip open the package of Razzles, and I give I give Xander a couple, and I give uh, M- Mia a couple. I tell Olivia, you know, wait till you're older, and uh, I pop in a couple, and um, and I got to tell you, uh, Razzles are horrible. Okay, they're awful. I mean, uh, let me just tell you, I've never had a cavity in my entire life. Thank you very much. Okay, and um, but these things, I felt like my teeth were going to fall off because I was like. Oh, they're just, oh, I mean, it hurt my teeth. And I'm, and I'm like, maybe it's just me. And I'm like, kids, how are they? They're like, not so good, puppy. It hurts. My tongue is numb. You know what I mean? There's all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, all right, spit it out. Let's get it out, you know. And, and now, now here's the thing, right, is that if you would have asked me, if we would have had this conversation, and we we're like, hey, you like Razzle's, like, Dude, I'm like part of the Razzle fan club. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't I would have told you how much I love razzles until I actually tried razzles. Now, let me, now here, here's what happens. Something happened in the past that we think defines us in the present. See, uh, man, I'm a razzle lover because of what happened in the past. But what happens when it's actually a negative thing? Something bad happened in the past, but now, for whatever reason, we think that defines us in the present. And now it becomes a thing that we believe about ourselves. And that's why, here's what what Peter says when he opens this. He says, therefore, based on all the stuff you're, you're growing in your relationship with God, based on all that, he says this, and I love what he uses. He says, laying aside. Laying aside what? Laying aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. It's almost, he's like, listen, it's so easy to take those things up. But there comes a point in time that you grow to a certain level that you realize, like, all those things that I used to think that that was my go-to when I, when I was upset or my go-to when I went to get something done, my go-to when I wanted to communicate, I don't want that anymore. And you start changing your desire. Now, he said, how do you change that? The way you change that, listen, how do you lay aside all those things? Is that you change what you crave. Because he says in verse 2, he goes, you lay aside all that stuff, and then as newborn babes, you des- they desire the pure milk of the word. You know, babies are born, you know this if you have kids, but babies are born innately craving milk. They are not born craving Taco Bell. Okay? They are not. They, like, no baby is born, and the first word is chalupa. You know what I mean? Like, none of them are doing that, right? None of them are doing that. They're all, they're all craving milk, in, like, from the moment that they're born. Why? Because they recognize that that's the stuff. You guys really like that. All right, that's cool. That's fine. Whatever you, you bet. There's more of where that came from. Uh, <laughs> and uh, now listen, if you're a Christian, you need the pure milk of the word. You need the word of God because that's the only thing that causes you to lay down these destructive things in your life. It's, it's that the things that you crave, man, you're like the thing that I was going to say. Now I got to, I got to lay aside all evil speaking, man. I want to do that. Now I have to lay aside hypocrisy. Uh, nah, I don't want to feel that way. I need to lay aside envy. Why? Because you started craving something else. You started filling your heart and mind with the things of God. Let me tell you why that's so important. This is what Joshua chapter 1 says. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, this is key, for then... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. He says this, if you want to be prosperous and have good success, here's what you need to do. Meditate on God's word. Now, here's the question. What in the world does it mean to meditate on God's word? I mean, it's not like getting in the lotus position and, ch- you know, um, and chanting, you know, and making yourself one with the universe or, or whatever. Um, it, it's, here's what meditation means according to the Bible. According to the Bible, meditation is seriously Thinking about something, it's giving serious thought to a subject. The Bible would say it this way. I put it in your notes in Psalm one. He says, "Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night." Now, do you know what's cool about the Bible uses this term um, like meditate? Uh, here's kind of how the Bible would define it. um, It it would refer to like a cow chewing its cud. Now, let me tell you what that means. I'm guessing most of you didn't grow up on a farm. Most of us grew up in the city. So uh, what does it mean for a cow to chew the cud? A cow doesn't just grab some grass and chew it and then swallow it. That's not what a cow does. A cow chews on something and then it, it chews it, swallows it, the gastric juices start working, and forgive me for those of you that had, like, brunch. But then uh, it chews it, and then it goes, it, like, pukes it back up into its mouth. And then he starts chewing it because now it has renewed flavor. And, uh, and, he, and he does that, swallows it again, more gastric juices, and he just chews it, chews it, chews it, chews it, does this whole process about six or seven times. And then, and then, um, it finally digests it. But it squeezes every ounce of nutrients before finally digesting it. Now, most of you know how to meditate. That's what he's talking about. Just chew it over and over again. Just don't stop thinking about it. How many of you have ever worried before? All right. All right. 40% of us. Okay. The rest of the other 60% are lying. Um, Now, if you know, (laughs) you're worrying about lying. So that's even worse. Uh, So now, but listen, if you've ever worried, then you know how to meditate. You know what happens when you worry? Everything. You know it's like the test you got the test i'm so worried about the test i'm so worried about i'm going to go do something else i'm going do i'm going to do something else i'm going to go. And cook something. So you go and cook. I'm going to cook. What do I need to do? I need to read that. I need to read the test. It's coming up. Like, like everything that you do goes back to the thing that you're worried about. Right? And that's what he's saying about God's word. If you can just kind of get yourself into this. So you're just thinking about what God has to say all the time. You're, you're putting God's word in your heart. Listen, it, it'll just... Um, it, it, that's what he says. That now you start doing that, God starts giving you ideas and, and he starts helping you make better decisions and choices and your family life gets better. And that's said, man, your, your way becomes more prosperous and successful as you meditate on God's word. So how do you, let me give you some practical ways to do it. Here's one, I, I put four ways on your outline. Here's number one. Number one is picture it. This is great if you're a visual thinker. When, when you read those stories in the Bible, you think about what it must have looked like. I mean, when Jesus walked on water, I mean, what, what did that look like when the Red Sea parted? What did that look like? You know, um, the second one is to repeat it. Uh, This is great if you're emphasizing a particular truth in the Bible. Not so much a story, but a truth. And sometimes um, I'll do that and I'll emphasize a different word in the passage. So like Philippians 4.13, I put that in your notes, where he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you can just, every time you say it, you just focus on a different word. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. I can do all things through Christ who You just keep kind of going through that. And, and every time you do that, it kind of unlocks a little something. And it's kind of like you're looking at this gem and you just kind of like turn the gem a little bit and it kind of re- begins to reflect refract light in, in a different way. I love number three, and that is to personalize it. It's where you just insert your name into the text. And there are places that you can do that. You know, in, um, a, a famous passage in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, you know what you can put? For God so loved and add your name. And it's just as true because it really is the case. Now, it doesn't work with every passage of scripture. You say, I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to start reading from the very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, Bob created the heavens and the earth. All right? That doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. But, but, it, but it works in many, in many places. And then number four is, uh, is to pray it. And that is that you can turn the passage into the form of a prayer. And that's, and why is meditating on Scripture important? Because God promises to make the person who meditates on the Word of God successful. In all these areas of our lives that we're worried about, man, I want my family to succeed and my career to succeed and, and, and health and all this stuff. Listen, if we focus on, on God's Word, here's what He says, that He's going to make our way successful. Now, look at what He says, and this is, this is like... This is really the crux of what we're going to talk about. Um, look at verse 4 as we continue in First Peter. He says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture... Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also Appointed. And if you pause there and give me your attention, here, here's the second thing I want to tell you, and this is so huge. And that is this, that if we want to become more than you are, you've got to understand God's foundational position. Understand God's foundational position. Um, to, to understand this, these four verses, I, I need to. we need to talk a little bit about architecture. Um, Peter is using an architectural metaphor that people in the ancient world would have understood, but because buildings are built differently now— um, Uh, We don't. But he talks about Jesus being the cornerstone. Now, the cornerstone was the most important stone that was laid in in an ancient building for four reasons. And uh, you might want to jot them down. You don't have to, but if you want to. Number one, because it was the first stone laid. All dimensions of the rest of the building were measured based on the cornerstone. So if the cornerstone was not straight, the rest of the building wouldn't be straight either. The shape of the cornerstone shaped the rest of the building. If the cornerstone was square, then the building would be square. If the if the cornerstone uh, was rectangular, then it you would see it, it would shoot out in the same way. I mean, it would not be a square; it would be a rectangular building. And and so it was it was the first stone that was laid, and everything was measured off that stone. Number two, it was the most perfect stone. Uh, history tells us um, that builders would spend as much time fashioning the cornerstone as they would the, whole, the entire rest of the building. They would focus on that one stone as much as the entire rest of the building because everything was riding on the precision of the cornerstone. The third is this. It was also the strongest stone because so much of the structure of the building was resting on the cornerstone. And it had to be able to bear the weight of the building. And then lastly, it was the most precious stone because the cornerstone was by far the most expensive stone and builders would invest more in the cornerstone than any other part of the building. Now, here's the part that that he's saying, you know, we sang the song, Cornerstone. And sometimes we're like, you know, Christ alone, cornerstone, what does that mean? Um, Now, here's what Peter is saying. If you want to be more than you are, you've got to make Jesus the cornerstone of your life. Everything else factoring in, everything else coming from there. Now, Jesus used this very same imagery in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the most famous sermon that Jesus gave. Um, And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, I put in your notes, these are the last few verses in in that very famous sermon. But here's what he says. He says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. You see, everyone has a cornerstone. Everyone has the thing that they build their life on and all the dimensions of their lives are set to the thing that they make the cornerstone. Now, here's what we do many times is that we become Christians and we just try to add Jesus to the existing structure that we're building. And that doesn't work. What Peter is talking about is tearing down the old structure and rebuilding it with Jesus as the cornerstone. Because you cannot be... You cannot become more than you are and become everything that God wants you to be if your cornerstone is the approval of other people. Because you will always come back to what other people think as the thing that you measure your life by and the thing that you build your life on. Because the cornerstone impacts every area of your life. You can't become more than you are. You can't become everything God wants you to be if some event from the past... Or what people said about you in the past is the thing that you're building your life on. Because the cornerstone impacts everything else. And it's only when we change the cornerstone that everything begins to change. Now, let me explain. On, on Friday, um, uh, my family, we were at the, you know, the shops at Pember Gardens. We were walking around. And uh, we had lunch there. And then afterwards, we had a couple of bags. And we were going to put them in, uh, in our minivan. So Xander wanted to come with me to put stuff in the minivan because we were still going to walk around a little bit, and so he says, um, "Bobby, let me hold the keys. I want to hold them like you." And uh, so I said, "Okay." So he holds them and he has one kind of like the little controller thing sticking out, which is I guess what I do. And uh, and he goes, "Look, Bobby, see? I'm just like you. I have my keys just like you." And I'm like, "All right, nice job." And so I'm gonna like, go, well, and he's like, "But I want to open the car when we get there." And I'm like, "All right, fine." So we get to the car. Uh, you know, to the van, and, uh, and I'm like, all right, you know, push the unlock button, and so he presses it, and nothing happens, and I'm like, all right, well, then just push the the button for the for the back to open up, you know, because we're like, we're driving high tech, you know, you know, you know, like, you know, we drive fancy cars like Toyota, you know, anyway, uh, so, uh, so anyway, so I say, so I say to him, I say, you know, buddy, and he's just clicking on me, like, buddy, you can't click it, you got to hold it down, and then it opens up. And so, and he's like, and I'm like, so hold it down. And he's like, and he's pressing it. I'm like, buddy, can I see it? I'm going to show you Let me just show you how it's done. And so I hit unlock and I didn't hear anything, but it didn't really bother, whatever. So I just, I see you got to hold it down. And I look and I'm like, and the back's not going up. And so we're kind of standing in the median at the front of the car. And I'm like, all right, so let me walk to the back of the car and see what the problem is. I walked to the back of the car and someone has, someone had put an Arizona license plate on my car. And, uh, and I'm like, what is the deal with that? Four cars over, and in the corner of my eye, I see the back going up and down. And I'm like, well, okay. Xander, the problem is you led me to the wrong car. That's what this problem is. So we'll work on that. And, uh, you know, we won't have to tell anybody about this, even though I told everybody about this. Um, and so, but now here's the thing. Man, we could have pressed that button all day long. But, but see, when you're starting with the wrong key and the wrong car, it doesn't work out. And that's why establishing the corner... Listen, the cornerstone of your life is so vital. When I make my structure, the the, the cornerstone of the structure, anything other than Jesus, I'm building my life on a structure that simply will not handle the storms of life. You say, well, how do I know what the cornerstone is? The cornerstone is, it's what you turn to when the storms of life come. It's what you value the most when the storms of life come. You see... And and this is how you you say, well, how do I make Jesus the cornerstone? You got to do what the builders did. These four, those four things, you got to do what they did. It it was the most, you make it the most important stone. You make it the thing that's, that's of most value, that nothing else gets in the way of the cornerstone. And sometimes we let everything get in the way of the cornerstone. And sometimes here's what we'll do. We'll give lip service to the fact that God is first. It's like, you know, um, man, God is first as long as the kids don't have a game and there's no party or there's nothing going on that's too late on Saturday. Um, So, you know, because I definitely, you know, man, we are committed to being here serving and worshiping, you know, as long as we don't have anything else to do, then man, we are here. And, uh, you know, I, I love Jesus. I just can't give him any of my time. And, uh, and, and this is what we can do it. And I know I'm, I'm probably being extreme, but sometimes it's, it, listen, you will know what the cornerstone is. If, if, if Jesus is the cornerstone, you know what you're going to do? Um, you're, you're, you're going to give him the very best. You're going to give him your very best time and effort and energy. Uh, you're going to give him the, your very best thoughts and resources and talents and gifting all of those things. You're going to invest in your relationship with God above anything else. You're going to trust Him above anything else. You're going to live His way even when it doesn't make sense at the moment. Because, you know, nobody's ever like, it's a weird thing. Like, nobody ever disobeys God, like, obeys God and then says, man, I wish I really hadn't done that. You know? No, people say, man, I I wish I had obeyed God sooner. I, I wish that I had, I would have saved myself so much pain and heartache if I had just done the right thing earlier. So it's when we do what he says, even if we're not feeling it, because we know that if we do the right thing, the feelings will follow. And then we say, well, God, I want you to bless the house and he will bless the house. If Jesus is the cornerstone. And now let me just show you these last two verses in um, verses nine and 10. That's really going to, we're going to drill down on this whole thing. Here's what we say. Here's what we see. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who, were, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And if you pause there and give me your attention, here's the last thing I want to show you. And that is, um, if you want to be more than you are, here's what you got to do. You have to recognize your eternal value, your eternal value. Um, now if you leave here with nothing else that we talk about in the next seven or eight minutes, I think it's just so vital for your life. Because I want you to leave with a different picture of God and a different picture of yourself. Because those two pictures affect your life more than any other. And, 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 and the way they change, the way you change your view of yourself is that you start believing about yourself what God believes about you. Now, Uh, there's a lot of things he believes about you, but let me give you three out of these two verses that we read. Here's what he says. Number one, uh, in verse nine, you are a chosen generation. You know what that means, to be a chosen generation? Uh, That means that, listen, here's how I like to say it. That means that you're the favorite. You're the favorite. Why? Because he chose you. Uh, Now, I told you this earlier, but at, at our house, we make everything into a big deal, you know, because that's just how I like to roll. And so one of the big honors, right, for our house, is one of the kids gets to choose the cereal for the week. And so we'll go once a week, and the kids will buy cereal. But one of them, uh, Olivia will pretty much eat whatever, but Xander or Mia get to choose who picks the cereal that week. And so all of us, you know, we have different cereal that we like, and so, but we let when we let the kids choose, it's a big thing. So Xander, if he chooses, he usually picks Frosted Flakes because they are great. And, um, Mia and I, we both are big cinnamon toast crunch fans. Any anyway, cinnamon toast crunch fans in the house? What is up? All right, we're gonna start a small group. That's just about cereal. That's all we're gonna do is eat cereal, and talk about something. Anyway, um, now, now me care. Uh, so, um, Mia and I like cinnamon toast crunch. Xander likes uh, frosted flakes. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she has like the worst taste in cereal ever. Because she she she's like the healthiest eater known to mankind, uh, and so she uh, ever since she was about nine years old, she's been picking her cereal based on the fiber content. Um, and so, like one day, Carrie says to me, "She's like Mia, why don't you try my cereal? It's called Kashi. But you know, you know, you get you know when you get to that end of the cereal, like you know when there's a hurricane, all the cereal is gone. The whole Kashi thing is in fully intact. All right." Because we're like, whoa, we're desperate, but whoa, we're not that desperate, okay? Now, my wife, she gets there, and she says, oh, you know, the, my favorite is the one that's called Kashi Good Friends, and because uh, it has all this fiber, and blah, 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 and it's uh, healthy, and antioxidants, and I'm like, I just want to have cereal, you know, I don't want to take vitamins, uh, and so, and by the way, there's Flintstones for that, and uh, so anyway, um, so my, my wife, McCary, says to Mia, she says, Mia, why don't you try my cereal? It's called Kashi Good Friends. And Mia, this is like the best answer ever. And she's like, Mommy, no way. And by the way, and she says, she's five years old at the time. She goes, by the way, they aren't good friends if they don't taste good. And so uh, send that to the company. They aren't good friends. <laughs> Kashi Acquaintances, maybe that. Uh, You know, (laughs) Kashi, we were friended on Facebook, maybe. Uh, But not good friends. All right, I digress. Um, Now, here's the thing, the the reason I tell you all of that, is that most people kind of swing between these three ideas. Some swing between the idea that um, God loves them because God loves everybody. So it's like, you know, God loves me kind of like in a passing way. You know, like how Barney loves everyone, you know that 's kind of like how God loves me, just like more of like a blanket love then there 's this other thing like God um, tolerates me, you know, so it 's like eh, you know whatever all right, you know, come on in, but you know just stay in the back don 't say anything you know that kind of that kind of like tolerating, and then to the other extreme, where some people just think you know something bad happens like you know God hates me god doesn 't have any love for me at all and and so you know and, and we people kind of like vacillate between these these three kind of positions. But you know, like, well, which one is true? None of them are true. You know, the, the Bible says that he chose you. You're a chosen generation. That means that he actually picked you. That means that he doesn't just love you in a blanket way. He loves you specifically. He likes you. He doesn't tolerate you. The Bible says that you're the apple of his eye. Listen, here, here's how I would say it. Listen, you are his cinnamon toast crunch. All right. <laughs> That's how you listen. You are God's cinnamon toast crunch. He chose you. He loves you. He likes you. Now let me let me uh, just because you're like you know, a Pastor said I was a cinnamon toast crunch. Now let me give. There's a Bible. There's a Bible verse for that. Uh, it doesn't mention cinnamon toast crunch, but it might in Hebrew. Uh, we'll find that out. But here's says. This, uh, this is actually a beautiful passage in Deuteronomy. When the children of Israel had come out of Egypt and uh, they were just about ready to go into the promised land, Moses speaks to the people the words of God, and he says this: For you. Are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. A treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. It's beautiful. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than other people. For you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you. And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Listen, that's that's God's feeling about you, that you're His favorite. He loves you. Here's the second thing that you need to know if you don't know. This is what God thinks about you. He says this in verse 9. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You know what that means? That means that you are a leader. That you have the ability to impact people's lives. You see, in Old Testament times, people, there was only one family, the tribe of Levi, that could serve God in the temple and do ministerial things. And everyone else would be watching on the outside looking in. And wonder and wish, man, I, I have gifts, I have abilities, I have desire to serve the Lord, but I can't because Judaism was based on these divisions and it was based on the division of what tribe you were from, if you were male or female, if you were Jew or Gentile or um, if, if you were uh, all of these things. And, and then here's what happens. And then Jesus comes along, dies for us, rises again, and now the church is born all these people now, this, this, uh, this, this group of people, and now he says this, all those divisions, are gone. And anyone who has gifting and talent, ability, coupled with desire to serve, has the ability to serve. The Bible would say it this way in Galatians, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Therefore... There, there, is, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now that means this, part of becoming more than you are is being part of a community that's bigger than yourself. And so when we actually take time and we use our gifts and talents to serve the Lord and serve God's people, there's something amazing that takes place. Because when we serve, we kind of empty ourselves for the sake of someone else. And then we feel this, this other amazing thing that happens, that God begins to fill us with more of Him. And that's why the people who serve this, there's an amazing group of hundreds of people who serve in this church. And you know what? They serve with joy. You know why? Because they realize they serve. because, like, man, I want to bless people. Because I have gifts and talents, and I want to bless people. But you know what they've found? Is that the more that they serve using their gifts, that they're the ones that are blessed. Because at, the more that they empty themselves in service, the more God fills us with himself. And then there's a third one. And I wanna, that's in, uh, in verses 9 and 10. And he says that you're a chosen generation, a holy priesthood, a, holy, uh, a royal priesthood in a holy nation, his own special people. You're his special people. You know what that means? That means that you're different. It means you're different. I love how the, the old King James, you know, I read from the new King James, but the old King James translates it this way. Uh, not, it doesn't translate his own special people. It translates it this way, that you are his own peculiar people. I've met several Christians that I would fall under the peculiar people category. So they're like, hey, you know, you're peculiar. Yeah, it's in the Bible. That's for you. Anyway, um, and so, but it, what it simply means, the, the, the word simply means that, um, that we're different than the average person, that we have a heavenly father that wants to speak into our lives. He wants to encourage us by showing us that, by showing us everything that we can be in him. Um, in the ancient Hebrew culture, um, th- there was this kind of like a rite of passage, um, when a father would bring, well, the, each of his sons and daughters would get to be a certain age, they, they would, he, he would come to them, um, and, and he would lay his hands on their head. And then he would begin to speak words of life into them. And it was usually in the form of a prayer, and it was called the patriarchal blessing. And if you read through the Bible, you'll see it happen several times. You'll see it happen um, as, um, as Abraham gives the blessing to Isaac, as Isaac gives the blessing to Jacob and Esau, as um, as Jacob then gives the blessing to all 12 of his sons, uh, he, he puts his hand on them and then he, he, he speaks words to them. And like, you know, and, and, and what happens is this is not a pep talk. This is the person that was responsible for raising you. The person who knew you best in the entire world. That they would speak to you and they would say this, this is what I see in you. This is who you are. And throughout Scripture, the blessed the, 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 the that blessing directed that child's entire life and formed who that person would become and listen one of, one of the reasons that many of us um, are confused and perhaps many of us uh, we're not really sure what it is that we are um, supposed to do is because we never received the the patriarchal blessing that our father was supposed to give to us. Dads can I speak to you for a moment? that patriarchal blessing, that time that you sit with your kids and you say, I want to I show you something. I want to speak something into your life. I've known you since you were born. And I've been with you every day of your life. And I want to tell you from my heart what I see in you. Let me tell you something. Those will be some of the most profound words that your kids will ever hear. And that our task and responsibility is to Direct our kids, not coerce, not force, but lovingly direct them by watching their gifts and talents develop, by watching their temperament develop, and speak into their lives a word of blessing that will lead them to who they were to become. There's this passage in in Mark. There's a scene in the Gospel of Mark where we see Jesus doing this with a group of children. It's the last verse in your outline. It says this in Mark chapter ten. One day. Some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. And when Jesus saw this happening, he was angry with the disciples. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And I tell you the truth, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their head and blessed them. What is he doing? He's giving them the patriarchal blessing. And listen, here's what I know is that maybe you grew up and um, you didn't have a dad or maybe your dad just wasn't really interested in spiritual things and and you're like, you know, I I never got that. You know, and I can tell you that, you know, and I grew up in a broken home. And, uh, you know, my wife grew up in a broken home and we didn't have that patriarchal blessing given to us. And so now what do you do? What do you do when, when you, that has never, you know, that person who's supposed to be the most significant man in your life doesn't give you that blessing. You know what I've learned as I've walked with God is that God will give you the blessing. Just like that passage in Isaiah that Pastor John spoke earlier in the service, when he talked about how God is a father to the fatherless, that He's a husband um, to, to, to the widow. When the guy takes off, that God begins to fill the gap between when when dad maybe isn't there. And listen that that if you, if you didn't have a dad to give you the blessing, then God will give you the blessing that your dad never gave you. And sometimes it will be that he just speaks through his word, and sometimes he'll speak through other people. You know, a guy that's been a, a mentor in my life, uh, some of you know him, he's spoken here several times, Dr. Bob Barnes, um, is a guy that uh, I love, and he's been that in, in my life. And one day he was just speaking, him and I were having lunch probably about a year ago, a year and a half ago, and um, he was, uh, we were talking, and he just started talking to me. He goes, you know, Bob, this is what I see in you. And, I, and he just—he was doing it. And I, didn't, I don't know if he realized he was doing it, but he was just giving me the patriarchal blessing right there. And, and I was—I was so moved. But I were in the middle of a restaurant. and I just start tearing up. And he's like, "Are, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, this food's real spicy." And uh, and, and, um, and 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 it was so moving to me because I know how important it is. And, and I want to tell you something that you're, that you may be here and you may be, man, it's like, man, you know, you feel like nobody cares. And the people that were supposed to invest in you weren't there. Can I just tell you something? That there is a God in heaven who wants to be your father. He doesn't just refer to himself as your God, but he wants to be your dad. Because God wants to speak words of life to you words that will lead you to become more than you are words that will cause you to become everything that he wants you to be that God's vision for your life is bright that it's a vision of hope and blessing it's a vision of life and growth and development where he begins to speak to you and lead you and work in you so he can work through you he wants to be your dad so that you can become more than you are, and so that you can become everything that you were created to be in him. Let's pray together. And Lord, we want to thank you